Hello. And welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lafibri. And my name is Jessica Tresero. And this week it's Christmas week and we watch Jingle All the Way. Oh my God. (laughs) The absolutely completely unknown for good reason sequel Jingle All the Way 2 starring Larry the Cable Guy produced by WWE. Thank you, Danny, for um, <laughs> letting us know that that exists. I feel like yeah. we got we got called out by our editor and was just like, "Actually, this exists, so um, you should absolutely do it." Yeah. And do um, your homework. <laughs> wow! Yeah. <laughs> I also like that he calls him Lawrence, the cable guy, the cable man. It's not cable cable man. Oh, I'm so sorry, yes. Lawrence Danny the calls cable him man. Lawrence the cable man. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> um, unlike the movie, that name is fantastic. It, it um, really is, truly. So yeah, I don't. I jingle all the way. I remember seeing this when I was a kid. Um, to some degree, I do remember it, but I haven't seen it in so long. So watching it was fun. It really did kick up a ton of nostalgia. Speaking of our podcast, ding ding ding. Um, just in regards to like them being at a mall in 1995 or 96 or whatever. Oh, like, yeah. All of it. The colors, the look, the storefronts. I'm just like, oh, no, this is the Northridge <laughs> Mall in Salinas, California. Ah, I can't do this. Um, So it was, yeah, it was a lot. I mean, in a, in a cool, fun way for me. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I have a lot to say about it. I know you do, too. What is your history with uh the movie? Do you have one? Um, I mean, I totally watched it like a couple times i think and like any anytime anybody like remembers oh you fucking remember that movie oh my god it was so good and i was like oh like i I remember it being stupid and ridiculous and like just turbo man okay cool but like i didn't remember a lot about it like other than like hilarity ensues and whoa um yeah i have a lot to say about it i also didn't realize how this how much this movie said acab yeah right (laughs) this movie straight up said (laughs) fuck the cops and like blow them up right like in, in a lot of different moments too was very just like fuck you if you're a cop and i was like oh this movie all right. <laughs> I love it. I love I mean, I was so I was so about it cuz at every moment the cops are the cops are silly, they're unqualified, they're bad, they're just they're terrible. The cops are terrible all the time. And I was like, uh, "Yeah. Amazing." Okay. Well, since we're talking about the cop real quick before we get into it, did you know that Officer Hemmel was originally supposed to be a woman? But then the producers and uh, director were like, they wanted somebody, quote, who could pull up next to Arnold and tell him to pull over and he pulls over. So insinuating oh, so they that, got that they got that dinky guy insinuating that he would listen to that dinky guy rather than oh, a woman in that role and furthering wow. the fact that that character is uh, misogynistic and uh, oh, yeah. the patriarchy of this world. So, <laughs> oh, 100%. I mean, this movie, yeah. Let's, should we just go? I feel like we're already starting. Let's, okay, yeah. Let's just, let's, let's just go. Like, let's dive. Let's do it. Let's dive. We're at the edge of the diving board. Why don't we just jump? It's 
It's Christmas time in a very 1996 Minneapolis where Howard Langston finds himself too busy with business to be with his family. After missing nearly every important moment in his son Jamie's life, he again drops the ball and forgets to buy him the one Christmas present he wants this year, a Turbo Man action figure. But oh no, it's the hottest kid's toy on the market this year and it's sold out everywhere. Howard runs into fellow forgetful father Myron Larrabee, who is also looking for a Turbo Man. Rather than team up, these two actual grown-ups participate in a very mature competition to prove their manhood by getting their kid the toy. In Howard's absence, creepy neighbor guy tries to swoop in on Howard's wife, but Howard is too busy trying to redeem his dad points on his quest to care. The quest takes him everywhere, from a radio station to a black market toy warehouse, and has him blowing up cops, breaking and entering, and punching a reindeer in the face. Boo! Then he starts feeling bad, and suddenly he's Turbo Man? Happy holidays! The end. That was it. That was it. It That's was the story. A, it was very jarring, like that ending. <laughs> oh, it was super jarring, yeah. Also, I mean... I just, one, before we just get all the way into the themes, surface level, face value, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a bad actor. We yes. know this. We see this. We hear this. The famous Republican Arnold, Arnold um, is a bad actor. The governor. <laughs> the old governor of California. And on top of that, I also love that his accent, I mean, in most things, it's never really commented upon. Um, but I also love that in the end, he is Turbo Man with this big helmet. And it's like very clearly Arnold. And he's got this like thick ass accent on just like <laughs> Jamie, uh, the toy or like whatever. And then uh, he's like, man, I just wish that my dad could be here. He's like, what do you mean, little boy? And it's like he's the only person with that accent. And he's just like, my dad just like misses everything. And he takes off the helmet. He's like, it's me. It's like, it was you the whole time. <laughs> like. Yeah. Do you not hear him say a single word? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, it's just, it was incredible. Incredible. I also really loved that this is uh, the Terminator and Anakin Skywalker. Um, I know. Is, so it's like, I, I mean, it tracks, right? Like, yeah. I, I thought that was fun. I did not realize it was the same kid that played Anakin. And I was just like, <gasps> what? What? That's so cool. <laughs> now that's what I call turbo or it is like now this is turbo time or whatever. You can do a matchup. <laughs> yeah. It's called a collab, everybody. Get into it. You know why uh he turns into Darth Vader eventually? Because he didn't get the Turbo Man toy. It's true. Right? Because yeah. okay. Okay. A lot of movies love to use this and uh, sometimes I love it. And sometimes I fucking hate it. And I fucking hated it in this movie where everybody's like, well, I am the way I am because I didn't get this toy back, you know, when I was 12 years old and it had the big action grip and did a thing and I was not cool. And that's when my life started going to hell because you yeah. didn't get this exact toy when you were 12 years old. And so like, yeah. I felt like. Putting the, like, OK, this movie is about capitalism and it's oh, about oh, the, 100%. It's, it's about the the violence that exists within capitalism, which I want to talk about. But, like, they're going so far as to, like, shame... Like, the kids are shamed for not having the toy. The fathers are shamed for not having the toy for their children. 
And on all levels, like even if this like specific product is not for you in terms of like, you know, age range or whatever, like you are still shamed for not knowing about it or for not having it or for not, you know, keeping up with the Joneses or whatever. Right. And then like later on, too, like we see the the boys like hanging out while mom and creepo are doing cookies or doing something right and they're fighting about like fighting over this toy and being super super violent and then like there's like the santa gang that's preying on kids that's trying to make money and like this whole time like arnold is like assaulting a toddler trying to get this turbo man doll and there's so much more violence in this movie than i realized or even like thought existed in this world and it's just it it stems from both consumerism and the the struggle to get things and to have and classism all of these things right and also from patriarchy and uh toxic masculinity and all of that which is v- alive and very very well in this oh, yeah. 1996 minneapolis right and so like you see the little boy right where you see him just like try to be vulnerable and open up and talk to his dad about like his feelings and his dad just dismisses him right and then what's his response his response is to yell and scream and you know like raise raise his voice to do this because the only way that men are going to listen or anybody is going to listen in this is through an act of violence, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, I have a big-ass take of this movie, which makes me love it. Like, unequivocally, I think it's incredible. I think this movie is anti-capitalist, just in general, in its themes, in the way that it portrays consumerism in the holidays and what that means. You have a main character who cares more about money than his family. That's what the whole opening scene is about. Like, thank you, valued customer. Thank you, valued customer. He gets his wife confused for a big air quotes valued customer. So he is embodying this idea of sales and consumerism and capital. So then that's causing him to miss all of these things. And he still doesn't see that the thing that he's missing is just being present. And it's not the the toy, but instead drives himself into this mad cap, wacky, zany, uh, robust world that is consumerist America during Christmas over this one toy and shows all of the bad things that this bad man will do to get whatever it is that he needs. And in the end, none of it matters because the kid gives the toy away because the one thing he wanted had nothing to do with capitalism. And on top of that, the whole time, this movie's saying, fuck the cops, fuck the cops, fuck the cops. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the whole time it's like, oh yeah, this guy's bad and he's doing bad shit in the name of capitalism because all he knows is capital all he knows is money all he loves and cares about is money nothing else matters and then you also have phil hartman the neighbor that's the actor i I forget his name who would be the prototypical good dad who's like supposed to be like the good one and like whatever he did the right thing he did get the toy he did plan out and he's the good capitalist consumer but he's still a big piece of shit creep so even even the best ones under capitalism are still toxic. They're still bad and exhibit traits of badness. Okay. I love that take and I wish I wish that I thought that they were that smart with this. I think they I think they were I though. I do I truly think it. I do think it. It's so wild and I know it's crazy because then they accentuate I mean, this movie's a cartoon. With all of its violence, like you did highlight the violence, it is a cartoon of a movie, which just adds to the levels of it, of of it being like zany or whatever. But 
the level of intent that went behind highlighting how bad the cops were for no reason in, in at a time especially too when most blockbusters are like quietly pro cop this movie in at, at every interaction with the police is like fuck you fuck you like fuck off you know what i mean so they're like that was intentional there's the intent there it just that that's my big takeaway i mean obviously that's discounting all of the misogynistic aspects within that which i guess you could tie back to the overarching theme that capitalism perpetuates that kind of uh action but not really to that degree so like i'm kind of leaving that out of here but i do think that this movie is intentionally anti-capitalist is that crazy is that crazy i think it's a great i think it's a great take and i love that i love that idea i just can't I can't believe it all the way, but I can meet you the whole, I can meet you like 90, 95% you, of the way. Can you yeah. believe it jingle? If you can't believe oh it all God. the way, can you believe it jingle? <laughs> Just a sure. little. Yes. Okay, great. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, sorry. Let me isn't just there, throw up on, isn't there all of that. <laughs> where Arnold, where the datinator Let's Sinbad get. Uh, that's who he is in my notes. It's Sinbad, not Sinbad. Um, fight me. Um, but anyways, <laughs> so there's like a part where like uh, he's gonna get arrested and he leaves him for the cops to like get arrested or whatever. Yeah, was that? Uh-huh. So like, uh, cause like okay. So I would like to believe that this movie is anti-cop, but what I think this movie really is is pro white people <laughs> because well, like he does he does leave him to get arrested and in the end Sinbad does get arrested and there is no real follow-up except for when he's in handcuffs he does get the Turbo Man doll but what does that mean yeah so he's caught by the cops like twice I think and the whole time Arnold is like oh I'm a white man here I can get out of this and so yes. that's like that's that's the take that I was getting from that. So I was like, this movie isn't so much pro like anti cop as it is like anti cop uh, calling out white people on these harmless crimes, right? Because nope. it's like they it's always kind of framed as like a but officer, I'm just trying to get to my son's game, you know, like yeah. that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. But but because the dad embodies capitalism itself, he embodies the badness of everything that's wrong here. Even though he is our hero, he's not good. He's not likable at all, really. He's doing the wrong thing all the time, always bad, always for the wrong reasons. And it's not until the end that he realizes, like, I just need to be present because I'm a present for the present, a.k.a. a gift for now. Thank you, Jenny Slate. Am I right? Like, that's the whole thing. But even in these moments where he's like, I'm going to be white and just let the black person get arrested and scoot off, I'm like, well, that's that's capitalism. Because if he's embodying what it means to be a capitalist, he's doing everything that a white capitalist would do in this environment. He would never stand yeah. up for his friend. He would just leave him, which he does several times. Okay. <laughs> Okay, yeah. If, but, go, if he is the living embodiment of capitalism, then I'm down with that. And and this scene makes no sense why it's in here with with this big exception. When he's Turbo Man, he flies through a black family's apartment, destroying oh destroying their holiday meal Ugh. for no other reason 
For no, no other reason, no reason. There's literally no reason for that to happen. And it's very specifically a black family. Mm-hmm. He is the embodiment of capitalism, destroying the holiday season with expectation for consumerism. Well, and Boom. like to take that a little bit further, like they're not participating in uh in consumerism or in the no. holiday, right? So nope. or in these big giant festivities or whatever, right? They, it's, at home. it's literally right out of their fucking window. They could just peer out and look at the fucking parade and instead they're like I choose not to participate in this. This doesn't, you know. And he fucking destroys their home for no reason because he's the embodiment of capitalism and he is slamming consumerist ideology under capitalism in their face to the point where it destroys their holiday. It literally destroys their home. It destroys their family. I'm on board. I'm super on board. Okay. It's crazy because there there are so many of these moments. And you got me, babe. And you oh, I love it. And there's another <laughs> one too. Um, cause this movie, for the most part, is kind of well written. Am I gonna take that back? No, I don't think so. It's kind of it's kind of well written. Like there's a lot well, of intent. They did. Yes, there is. And a lot of that is because like they literally the whole time, right up until they had to like send it to um send it to the movie theaters, uh, were doing like test and adjust, right? So they had test audience after test audience after test audience, and like yeah. Chris what's his last name columbus whatever when something didn't land the way that he wanted it to in the test audience he tweaked it and he tweaked things and he tweaked it until like literally it was exactly what he wanted up until the very end yeah and i i would like to see more of that more often yeah (laughs) listening well like being intentional being very critical like critically intentional like these are the choices i'm making if they don't work i want to make a different choice and speaking of choices I do want to point out another thing that lends credence to this idea of like not only well written, but the, the the idea of just because this is the hero doesn't mean it's necessarily good. Just because this is the thing that we're expected to think is good doesn't necessarily mean it's good. So there's this whole running joke that um, everyone hates Booster, right? Booster is the pink fuzzy sidekick who is like cute and fun and lovable. And everyone's trying to sell Booster, but nobody wants to buy Booster. Everyone's like, fuck Booster. Like, Get that out of our face. We want Turbo Man. Garbage, garbage, garbage. Cute looking thing, right? Pink, fluzzy. Fluzzy? Fuzzy. Whoa. Uh, (laughs) Pink and fuzzy. Kind of unassuming, cute sidekick. The first time Booster has any lines is when we go backstage before he goes onto the parade. And the first thing that this character says, even though it's an actor playing this fake monster, is a racist joke. The first line is the exact opposite of what we're being sold throughout the movie. They're trying to sell us Booster constantly. Buy Booster. Booster's just as good. You should buy this. Underneath that is the insidious aspect of this bad thing in this cute thing. And so then he puts on the cute helmet and we know that Booster is inherently bad. We believe it. And then later when he falls down all the kids start like kicking him and stuff and they're like fuck you booster we hate you and i'm like this is reiterating the concept of like i I, in my opinion not being persuaded into the concepts of consumerism and capitalism right like just because it looks pretty and looks good does not mean it is good generally and the last time we see booster he's getting beat up by kids which is we knew this character was bad and that's the last time we see him super inconsequential doesn't really mean anything but i think these small moments add kind of credence to this 
relatively well articulated narrative about anti-capitalism is that is this crazy i feel crazy i feel so wild i feel nuts i i I think that's all super great and super (sighs) smart because that's completely different uh how i took that part like i took so i took this film to also be very anti-gay um because of okay so first thing because there's a moment where like, okay, so Arnold Schwarzenegger is like going around and he's like, I will do anything for this toy. I will do anything. And then like Santa comes and he's like, hey, come over here. He's like, sit on your lap. I don't think so. I will do anything for this toy, but I will not. I will not. Right. He's like yeah. very fucking adamant about that. And so it's like I took this as a very patriarchal, very. And you took this as capitalism. And I love that we have these two separate takes. So for <laughs> me, that that fit within my within my read of this, where it's very uh, pro patriarchy and all of this, because there isn't room for gay men in like this type of misogynist uh, uh, patriarchal world that they're trying to exist or they're trying to. And I was like, okay, cool. That's like, or not cool. That is what, like, that's, that's the one time where they're just like, yeah, it's, it's because they're also talking about like, you can't have male friends in this, like, which like men, men can't be friends. You always have to be alpha or beta. Right. So that sort of thing, which I'll get into later. So I was like, okay, you can't be friends. You can't. So of course you can't love each other, right? You can't be intimate with each other emotionally or physically. And so then with the whole booster part, right. It was like, okay, cool. This is a pink furry bear, right? It's, yeah. and nobody likes him. And they're, of course, they're, they're gonna, like, these children are beating him up, right? Because, like, these types of anti-gay narratives are, like, just so strewn throughout, like, 1996 patriarchal capitalism ideals. And so it's yeah. just like, okay, like, uh, this sucks. <laughs> well, because to, to me also that line was bad, but in my head I was like, "Oh, well, this guy is probably homophobic also because he's a silly, uh, like systemically masculine piece of shit who is obviously racist and obviously bad. Like he's 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 the embodiment of all of these bad things, and is not learning his lesson through any of it. So for him to say like, "I'm not sitting in your lap because." that's gay and I don't want to be gay or whatever. I'm like, oh, of course he's homophobic too. Uh-huh. So for me, for me, it like just clicked in line because I'm like, oh, well that, that makes sense. He's a bad person. So yeah. of course he would be, feel this way. And then <laughs> what also is like, they didn't really linger on it too much. Cause I feel like a lot of, a lot of times in a, in a movie, especially a movie like in the nineties or eighties or whatever, if they're going to throw in it like a gay joke or make queerness the butt of the joke in any way, like we've seen previously in other movies, it's going to come up more than once. It's going to come up regularly. And I think that if 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 that had been the intent, I think when we got to the character or the actor who's playing Booster, I think the joke would have been a gay joke or an anti-queer joke and not just a racist joke because the racist joke kind of comes out of nowhere. It's it's so inconsequential. Mm-hmm. It means nothing apart from it just being this bad thing that we see as bad. And this is a bad guy. He's like kind of gross, smoking a cigarette, real raspy, like, here's my anti-Asian rhetoric or whatever. And you're like, oh, whoa, this is a bad guy. I feel yeah. like if they were intentionally trying to do like the we hate gay people, we hate queer people, he would have said some real off the cuff like, and and the joke would have been like, 
maybe maybe a hard F word, and then he puts on the fuzzy pink hat, and it would have been like, oh, see the juxtaposition of like this thing. He's a very masculine male presenting cis person, assumedly putting on this very feminine looking thing. Isn't that funny that he's homophobic? Like that, w- I feel like that would have been the thing. I mean, I I just it's it's Jess. I need to point out <laughs> how how weird it is that this is where I'm coming from. Like. Before we started, I did not expect this. It kind of like, I reread my notes real quick and it kind of just clicked in that I was like, oh, that's exactly what's happening. This is what this movie is. And I'm on this journey with you in real time, just in this very same way. I am, I, what, what a, what a wild time. I love this movie. <laughs> I know. Okay. I, one of the things that I like the best about our podcast is like sitting here and having these kinds of discussions and then being like, you know, like I had an idea and then it's like, oh shit, the more that we talk, like the the, yeah. the more things start to like click in and especially like hearing like the things that you bring up and then I'm like, oh, wait, hold on, you know? And so, yeah, like, I mean, I agree with you. I think that this is great and I think that you should write this for our pod, maybe our I, pod blog. Ooh. Maybe I should. Well, because and even the more I think about it, there's so many more points, like even in the parade, when all of these IPs are like walking in and they're like costumes and you're getting like Madeline and Crayola and and what have you. Gumby, you're getting you're getting all of the the it things of 1996 in this parade. And it's like, wow, how cool. We love it. The two kids see the cat, see the cat in the hat and literally are like cat in the hat. Yay! And like high five to like reiterate, like, we want to buy this. We love this. You're giving us exactly what we want and we're going to take it because we love it. And it's like more of this. And again, it's hard. Like maybe, maybe I'm over, oversimplifying it because this is a movie that has to do with Christmas. Christmas has to do with gifts. Gifts has to do with sales and capitalism and consumerism. So like avoiding that narrative would be near impossible. Well, and I think too, like, um, so like furthering your point about that, like, so the young boy gets the doll, right? And then he goes and he puts himself in mortal danger for this toy, right? Yes. Because capitalism and the idea of having things and of having so many things and having the perfect thing and the thing that you want and the thing that's special is like more important than life. <laughs> like it, he's willing to like, go to extreme lengths in order to protect what he has even though he yeah. didn't necessarily earn it he was just fortunate enough to uh receive it right yeah like i just i mean granted a lot of it just kind of coincides and works with this very slapstick cartoonish adventure story where it's like of course there's going to be a big battle at the end the fact that it's sinbad i'm also like why but at the same time i'm like oh well, they're just fighting over this consumer good and this is the idea of like arguing over that good and ownership of something regardless. And so seeing it not even just as like a hero versus a villain, it's just two pawns in a system fighting over this thing that is so inconsequential to them that they're willing to risk their lives for it, which is the disease of capitalism. Yeah. Which really? is wild. I can't believe this. I can't believe this fucking movie. What in the world is happening? I also <laughs> like, because there is a level of like, the dad is so violent. He's so like, he is constantly like threatening people to get his way. He's physically moving people and pushing people and running into people to get the thing that he wants, a la the Super Bowl in the mall, um, to the point where he's like literally a, like 
assaulting children to get the thing that he wants. You go through all of this and then you get the line where Phil Hartman says, you can't bench press your way out of this one. Like nothing you like the thing that you do to get the thing that you want will not work here, which is sort of commenting on masculinity or, or violence as a regular characteristic of like the patriarchal structure that benefits masculinity in our society, right? Like violence coincides with that. They go hand in hand. So in this moment, like, because you've used your privilege in these ways and the expected privilege of your perceived gender, you can't do that anymore. It's, it, I, I don't know. I felt like it was just like acknowledging that, but also coming from the character of uh, Phil Hartman, who is like an absolute sleazeball and also an abuser. It's kind of like, oh, well, what does that mean? Which then could you argue that that's a commentary on all men in general? Like even, even the guy who is critiquing the patriarchal violence is still this abusive, manipulative person. It's still He's bad. Partici- participating in a different kind of violence uh, yes. where women are the targets. Yes. So it's kind of critiquing all of them and saying, no, you're all shit. You're all bad. <laughs> like, you're all bad. And it's because of this thing. Yeah. Because because there's the only the only actively good people in this are Liz and the son. Okay, but Liz has, like, two lines, and most of the time she's on screen, she's, like, trying to, like, get away from creepy guy or yeah. yelling at her husband. She's, she's, <laughs> not a, she's, not, she's not written as a real character in this. Okay, like, if, if we want to go and talk about the women in this movie, like, we Let's can do it. talk about the women Let's in this Let's go. Movie. I'm so into like, it. Because the mom just only exists to be fought over by by men, and yes. you know she'll be won by the alpha. Also, like, okay, what the fuck is up with the putting the star on the tree? Like, why is that? Like, I we watched we watched another movie recently, and it's like, oh, my husband, my boyfriend, whoever, like, puts the star on the tree. It's really special. It's like it's like that's the equivalent of like fucking your wife, of of like of you know of like cheating on <laughs> somebody. That's how it's treated. Like you oh, know like. Oh, so like the so like Ted like comes up and he's like, oh look, I put this on the tree, right? And then like that's the moment when Arnold gets the most angry. He's just like, whoa, fuck, whoa, whoa. And then like I think we watched like the Santa Claus or something. It was a bad choice, but like he um like there's a moment where it's like, oh, I gotta put the star on the tree. It's like the like you don't do any of the other work. You just put the like like the fucking thing on top to claim it, right? So more about yeah. capitalism. Um, it's it's literally staking a flag in colonizing territory on a mountain. I own this flag. Yeah. But like, so mom exists to be fought over by the dads and to be and as like a prize to be won, right? And then yeah. like. Then the other women like that are in the movie or are talked about in the movie because there's not fucking many. So Sinbad's wife cheated on him. So we know that. Um, Arnold chokes a woman in line for something, right? So there's yeah. that. Then when Arnold assaults the toddler, uh, women come at him with a bunch of like purses, their purses right? Oh my God. Um, and like those aren't the only women that we really see in the movie. And the way that like going back to patriarchy and everything, the way that women are viewed in this is as something to be discarded. Like so there's this line that like perfectly objectifies women and like shows how far this movie goes with it. But like the creepy dad's son is talking to the son and they're like, uh, he's like, my dad isn't here, blah, blah, blah. He's like, 
uh, I wish my dad was like yours. And he's like, my dad sucked until uh, until they got a divorce. My my parents got a divorce. Your parents should get a divorce. And it's like, your dad will be nice to you once they get a divorce. And like the kid doesn't realize that he's just being used as a tool for his dad to sleep with all of the neighborhood women, you know, well, there's also, like, and there's also so, like the just level, divorce yeah. your mom. So there's like no allegiance there, right? Oh, uh, just your dad, your parents should get divorced, and then your dad will be nice to you. Well, also, just that, like, it's not even necessarily divorce. It's like take get the woman out of the picture, and it's everything total will be erasure. Good. Exactly. Yeah, erase he her. He doesn't and realize you'll be great. that. Like by divorce, it means just get not just like divorce, yeah. but get her out of the picture. And, and that's like the only time they really talk about it. And I'm like, damn, that's so true, because like there's no women in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> there's and, no women. and so 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 to me, that's the only thing about it, because like earlier I was saying like all of these things, but it's not including any of the sort of misogynistic aspects of it, because there is that whole level to this movie as well, because the women aren't in it when they're in it. They're not real really like and then there's that idea that like yeah actively get rid of women like how fun <laughs> yeah isn't this cool don't we love this yeah um and it's like it's so shitty because uh like i mentioned earlier when like the kid is trying to like reach out to his dad and then he gets like shunned right like and this is also this can also feed into um your beautiful capitalist narrative which i love um the child is not getting any of his emotional needs met by his father. So he has to go to a fictional character to get guidance and to get uh, to feel connected to something and someone emotionally. Right. Even though he has yeah. no interaction with this character. Right. It's like he's more his dad than his dad. Right. And yeah, 100%. Um, so in that way, it works to like frame this child's perspective on what a dad should be or what he like you know and what what he needs and like also like creates like brand loyalty right so of course he wants all the fucking turbo man things because capitalism knows that daddy is busy participating in capitalism so they have to create a stand-in dad for the the children to to subscribe to and yeah. it's just that's where he has to go. He has to like, I mean, and I, I super relate to that. Like my family was not great growing up. So like I, uh, played so many video games and I watched so much TV and like to this day, like, you know, there's nothing like, you know, sitting down and playing like Final Fantasy seven or eight as it's like a big giant warm blanket, you know? Yeah. And like I, like I cared and would cry about like, things that would happen or, or like get really fucking pissed about like things that would happen in game or on TV. And I would feel those more real than I felt anything for my family. Cause that was always yeah. just like frustration and anger and heartache. So it like, it served uh, in the same way, I guess like media currently is serving right as kind of a distraction from everything that's going on. But like as a kid, like that was like also kind of what developed, like what I consumed developed my moral compass and like my mm -hmm. train of thought and, ability to empathize and feel and like so it's just so telling that capitalism is what is creating that and it's also creating that in this world right yeah i mean it's 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 creating it reiterating it and per like perpetuating it at every at every turn i mean that's the foundation the foundation of this movie is talking about why this thing is bad and 
no matter which way it goes, this kid is kind of not fucked, but like kind of. You know what he's I mean? He's kind of lost. Like, yeah. He's lost regardless regardless of whether or not he gets the toy. I mean, I guess the whole point of it is being present and spending time. Time is more valuable than money. In the Aren't end, I guess that's... Aren't we all just lost to capitalism? Aren't we all just I like mean, lost in the sea that is... <laughs> ca- capitalism is a disease and I'm sick. Um, but it's true. <laughs> no, I mean... I, I Jess... I really did not expect this from this at all. I did not expect any of the, like on my end at least. I was coming into this with a lot of notes, but not a lot of substance. I really didn't have a lot to say. I cannot believe that this is happening. <laughs> but you're totally, I like the whole, the, the, the sort of body double narrative of, of an object or a hero, a superhero. I mean, oftentimes, like like you said, is a, is a stand-in for that sort of emotional, uh, I guess, tangibility. It like it creates that barrier for you, or creates the comfort for you that you may not get from, say, an absent parent or or what have you. And in this movie, I mean, that's the whole crux of it. Which mm-hmm. I also just I like that the kid is just like I don't care. Like when he's in his room. And he's like, oh, uh, I, he's like, you missed my yellow belt. He's like, yeah, but I was there for your blue belt. He's like, and you weren't there for the one before that or the one before that. <laughs> like, yeah, he's he, he's <laughs> he's not he's not because in, in this moment, Arnold is really trying to sell to his own son the narrative that he doesn't miss that much. He's trying to sell it to him. He's performing this for him in this small window of time that he's barely spending with his son. He's trying to gaslight him into believing that he's been there the whole time and being like, well, I, you know, I, I was there and that what the one I was there for was the most important one. And the kid's just like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> the son is doing what, um, oh, what is her name? Fifty Shades of Grey. What is that actor's name? Oh, I never saw it. I have no idea. Uh, when she was on the Ellen show and Ellen's like, you didn't invite me to your birthday party. She's like, actually, Ellen, that's not true. You were invited. And she's like, no, I wasn't. She's like, actually, you were. Ask your producer. Ask ask anybody. You were. And she's like, oh, well, um, uh, I, I didn't know you liked me. She's like, I like you. I didn't think you liked me. And like, this is... I don't know if you've seen it. It's really great. I have not seen that. No. It's before it's before Ellen was called out as being like a general piece of shit. Like mm-hmm. just this last year. It was before that. And this person just on li- on the show is being like, what you're saying is actually incorrect and not true and trying to paint me like the bad guy. I invited you, you didn't come, and you're spinning this narrative on live TV. So what would you like to do with this? And it's just so <laughs> it's so sweet. Anyways, turns out where she was was at a baseball game with George W. Bush. Howdy. (laughs) Woo! That's why she didn't go to her birthday party. We love. Ah, so fun. Gross. (laughs) Super gross. Sorry about that tangent. But I like that the kid is so unrelenting. Because, I mean, he's feeling his feelings. He's allowing himself to feel like, yeah, you're not there for me. I feel like shit because of that. I feel like you don't care about me and that you don't love me. And that's fine. And the dad's actively trying to make him believe that that's not true. And he's like, no, you're lying to me. I know you're lying to me. That's fine. Please leave. Sort of a thing. Right. And not so many words. And the kid, I mean, apart from the ending, when the dad realizes like, oh, I just need to spend time with my son. He never lets up on that feeling. 
He's never like, oh, everything's okay. Everything's fine. He's very just like, yeah, my dad kind of sucks. And you're like, yeah, fuck yeah. It's not like they're not re-spinning it or making the kid be like, oh, you know what? My dad just works hard so he can support us. Like some silly, stupid narrative like that just to like make it seem like anything that the dad does is okay. Like this movie is very just, yeah, he sucks. Yeah, definitely. Other than the kid, there's like no good characters in this movie. No. Nobody's good. Even like Sindad. Like he's, he's like he's a he, okay. He also he starts off calling out like these toys ours and like advertising and then like starts like calling out the government on racism and shit like that. And I'm like, fuck yes, fuck yes, I'm here for this. And so like I was like I mean I knew it was gonna happen, but like but I was really like disappointed. I was like of course, you're going to make him the bad guy. Of course. Like, this just sucks. Like, because then they're, like, also devaluing everything that he was saying, too. And, like, they just, like, overtly had to, like, make him a bad guy. And he had a bomb. And he, like, yeah. you know, he's the big baddie. And it was a little bit weird. <laughs> no, there there <laughs> is a, a weird, level of, a like, dream. making the villain a black person is arguably visibly destructive like it is a problem especially what I when do... he's like calling out racism and shit like that and so but like to to like uh, but that also works in the capitalist narrative of like of course he's like sacrificed and like yeah he sees this but you know what like fuck him like it was still just disappointing agreed in the, in the same way and i'm not i'm there is never i'm not arguing that this is a perfect movie at all um even though it's close <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. I'm not going to do that because it's not. And there's a lot wrong with it. But um, you're right. The the general, the, the visibility of him kind of becoming the villain, like structural narrative wise, like narratively, he's kind of being paired as this villain or like leaning that way. But then to become the actual physical villain at the end was kind of like, oh, why are we doing that? Like, yeah, and you don't... it was just because he had, like, so many good things that he said. And so, like, you know, capitalism does work to, like, bury those narratives and all of that. And so I I, I like all of this much better, like, thinking about it from, uh, <laughs> from like, this, like, epiphany that you had here on the pod. What up? But, like, oh um, but, like I, I feel like, I don't know, I just had to recognize that because it was, like, distasteful, I thought. It was. Yeah. yeah. I think... I think without truly without the scene of Turbo Man crashing into that black family's home, I would not feel the same about black representation or or uh, sort of the narrative structured around blackness in this movie. That with the capitalism tie definitely changes everything how I feel about like him being the villain. But it's it's like me on this podcast right now being like, fuck capitalism. All this stuff, capitalism, disease, all that. Meanwhile, I will be purchasing a coffee in a capitalist system tomorrow morning. Like, I will be participating first thing when I wake up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're doing all this on, like, consumer goods that were purchased under capitalism. Like, the, like as, as much as we're critiquing it, we also are a part of it. Inescapably so. Right. Um, and so with that in mind, you have the Sinbad character who is very aware of the circumstance, not only just as a black person about the racial injustice in America that, again, is 
supported by white supremacist ideology, but on top of that is sort of espousing the concept of consumer capitalism as an inherent bad and saying, yeah, they're doing all this stuff. Like, they're they're the way they market is shitty. The way they do this is shitty. Like, and you're like, damn, yeah, that's crazy. You're you're totally right. And like, I'm on board with this. But at the same time, he's saying this in line at a toy store to get the toy in a consumer capitalist. You know what I mean? Right. It's like right. it's commenting on the idea of like, as much as you critique it, you still are a part of it, unfortunately. And that is a weird, <laughs> shitty reality. <laughs> you know? Um. Yeah. Like you said, it's like, it's inescapable, you know? It's inescapable, like, and yeah. It, yeah, so like, how do you decapitalize yourself? And like, is it even possible? Is it possible? Especially yeah, especially now, especially in the society that we live in, current day, present day. Like, is that possible? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, the best we can do is shit like this, I guess, or like actively not support big business. I There are things you can do to help stifle big capitalism and big business in that way but um it's still a capitalist system that we live in i don't know i i feel like i'm i keep i beat this uh point i'm here for this over and I'm, over i'm here yeah no for real i thinking about this movie as a capitalist movie, jingle all the way is a critique on capitalism and it is uh canonical um also did you know there is there's a after credit scene right no. What? Okay. There's an after credit scene where Liz is being proud of Howard, uh, like the the mom is being proud of Arnold Schwarzenegger for doing the right thing, telling him he did a good job, right? Uh, which like it. is what she's there for. That's what she exists for. So she's the prize. Mm-hmm. She got it. And then she asks him where her present is, and he looks at the camera and is like, <gasps> right? Sequel. And- <laughs> they were trying for a sequel, yeah, and they didn't get it. Uh, instead, it went to Lawrence the Cable Man. But, Lawrence um, <laughs> the Cable Man. Yeah, so they were they were trying to set up for a sequel, but also like going off of this capitalist uh, narrative, it doesn't stop and it never will stop. And as soon as you mm-hmm. think you're done, you're not done, and you have to go right back out and do it all all over again. You know, boom, boom, boom. Um, and I I think that's like the perfect way to end that. I also think that I also just before we end this officially jingle all the way said fuck all cops and we love to see it. We actively love to see it. Um, Cool. I'm good with this. I'm good too. Great. Let's get on to whatever this thing is. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) It's Christmas time in Smallsville, USA where Larry finds himself feeling inadequate after feeling like his fatherhood is being challenged by his ex-wife and her new husband, Victor Baxter, who is basically a millionaire. After a garish and poorly planned attempt at a lighting ceremony at his trailer, Larry decides to open his daughter Noelle's letter to Santa to find out what she wants for Christmas so he can prove his dotty dominance once and for all. It turns out she wants a Harrison bear, but oh no, it's the hottest kid's toy on the market this year and it's sold out everywhere. Except the reason it's sold out is because rich box daddy Baxter had his henchmen buy every bear within 500 miles to ensure his daddy dominance. Larry tries everything from checking all the toy stores, pretending to be poor, to attempting to steal from the poor, and then attempting to criminalize the poor. We mean it. He's tried everything. 
Larry finds out Baxter tried to sabotage him. They get locked in a big box and have the heart-to-heart daddy talk, then become best friends. Baxter gives away all the bears to all the kids he stole from and looks like a hero. Now Noel has two dads and a mom. Happy <laughs> holidays. Uh... Um, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, and, and largely, you know what? I'm giving it too much credit. This is one of the worst things. I don't know if this was a movie. Um, and I will, I mean that in the meanest way possible because there is no conflict for the first hour of this movie. There's no conflict, zero conflict. So the whole thing is essentially like my, like in the first one, it's very clear. The son does not like the dad or like feels abandoned by the dad. Like there, there's like, there's a very clear coming to a head. There's conflict. We see it. We know the reason why the hero goes on their journey. We're seeing this. And this one, she Within likes the both. the first like 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And then in this one, we see Noel, the daughter, likes both dads just fine. But then Larry the Cable Guy is like, that's not good enough for me. And the other dad's like, that's not good enough for me. What does that mean? What are you talking about? Like, there's no conflict. She's fine with this. Like, like what? There, there's. Is it because she said like, oh, you're not my biological dad? Well, that's true. You <laughs> dingus. What are you talking about? Like, what does it even mean? There's no conflict and there's no reason to do any of this. And then, oh my God. It's so this is the silliest. My, all of my notes are questions. Yeah. Like, so it, are we vilifying part time workers? Uh, why is he a spy? Uh, yeah. It's just all questions and it's all just, or it's very rudimentary. It's, it's like, I have a whole section that is things that Larry says, uh, which is, um, that's why some couples don't have pets. For the record, I dumped you, glue my butt, and I pooped my pants. Thanks, Larry. Yeah, it really, it's really Larry the Cable Guy <laughs> talking action figure where you press the belly and he says catchphrase. It's, it's like, it's, it's insanely bad. Like, it's okay. just... But like, were you confused as to why anybody could see him when he was wearing so much camouflage? Like it was just like that broke the whole movie for me because like, it, was it just really like, did because okay, he technically like, was invisible. He like you should not be able to see him. Like clearly, clearly this is a movie. This is movie magic. Like, OK, fine. So I do want to get in a little bit um, because I have like a lot of just empty notes because it's not really a movie. Um, and then, because uh, it has no opinion, it has no takes. And for for an IP, or not an IP, for a movie and a star who largely appeals to a conservative audience, that first 50 minutes, I expected so much more anti-poor rhetoric, so much more anti-gay shit, anti-black shit. Like, I expected all of this, because I'm like, oh, well, they're making this movie for people who voted for Trump. Of course it's going to be toxic. But there was literally nothing, and I guess that says more about I guess I guess that makes more sense because there's literally nothing there. It's, there's nothing. There's no substance. <laughs> there's nothing. Like I guess that makes sense. But then we got to some problematic stuff that I want to talk about. Which, uh, yeah, great. When Larry goes to the uh, charity event dressed like the houseless person, which is already like cool cosplay poverty, we love. Um, to get the bear that he's going to steal, he sees an old classmate who he dated. And she gives him 20 bucks and he's like, 20 bucks, I'm in the wrong business, which is a fun uh, way huh? to sort of trivialize the concept that poor people 
are faking it, that poverty is a choice, and that people choose to pretend to be poor to get money from the government. Cool. So there, here, here we go. Here's some conservative ideology. We're going to just jump on in. And then to further it, the kid who then lies about being poor after he gets the bear, he's like, oh, uh, my dad had to steal money to pay for my mom's operation and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know what? I'm feeling kind. This bear I worked so hard for, I'm going to give you this bear. And then the kid's like, sucker, I lied. It's like further, further Don't indoctrinating. Well, don't be kind to poor people because poor people are liars and they will lie to steal your money because they're faking being hurt or sad or broken. Poor people are liars. Poverty is a business and poverty is a choice. That is what this is saying. And I'm like, bam, here is that conservatism that we hate. Um, Cool, cool, cool. Uh, And then in that same sequence, when the kid runs away, they end up in front of the church that his ex was at, right? And he's trying to take the bear and the kid starts crying. And then the churchgoers, the big air quotes, good people are like, and by good people, I mean the people that this movie is for, which is conservative white Americans. Yes. Um, <laughs> they come out and they're like, are you assaulting this kid? Poor person. What the fuck? You're trying to steal from a, a decent kid. And the kid's like, yeah, he's stealing from me. I And then they like chase him all throughout the like the entire congregation comes out to fucking chase him throughout the town to what to beat him up to like like well, I didn't like they were clearly going to like incite some sort of violence on him and it's like wait you just got out of church sweetheart like <laughs> it, it's, But what it's what it's also reinstilling as a narrative choice is saying these church people like the audience that this movie is appealing to is them. This young, non-white kid who's pretending to be poor will trick you. Do not believe him. And like everyone else is white. And so the one like non-white right. character is this young kid who's pretending to be poor to steal from from rich white people who big air quotes worked hard for their money. And that I mean, that's all this scene is trying to reinstill is don't believe people of color. Don't believe they're choosing to be poor. That's all this shit is saying. So the movie has literally no takes. And then the one take it does is like this. And I'm like, oh, of course. Well, it's also saying like, you know, yes, on like the higher, like, okay, we understand what's happening in the scene. But on the surface, like it, they're also validating chasing homeless people away and just automatically vilifying them just for how they look. Right. Um, So like they literally were chasing him again through the entire town. And it's the whole fucking congregation just because he looked poor and he was in front of their church. Also, we shouldn't believe children. Yes. (laughs) Also, don't believe kids because they're all lying, especially if they're non-white kids, because they're probably lying twice. Since what a mess. Since we are already talking about that one woman, I want to talk about the representation of women in this film as well. Woo! Um, So all of the women uh, here, again, like there's there's more women in this film, but they're absolutely worse. And they're there for one line. It's real bad. Um, They're basically there for either men's for like men's consumption, whether it's like to provide validation or uh, to like, you know, for them to be objectified. Right. Because the first woman that we see, okay, outside of the mom who like, okay, fucking the mom, like supposedly left dad, supposedly left Larry because she had ambitions and her ambitions 
were never talked about because she literally doesn't do anything. She just Her- has <laughs> she married a rich guy and is just like those were her that, like the whole though. time. The whole time she just says, "You did good. This isn't a competition." Like you know, and then like at the end when like they're they're like, "Oh, we're hanging out. We're coming. Don't worry." She's like, "Wait, what happened?" And they're like, "It's a long story. That's another long story." She doesn't get any like. I would be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Right? And she's like, "Oh, yeah. it's okay. It's fine." Right? She doesn't ask questions or have emotions because even her as a character like uh, is not allowed to have those and it was just like fucking cool awesome and the little girl like the whole time she's just like no but i love you daddy no but i love you step daddy no i love you both daddies yeah. it's okay right that's like basically her whole function is to be there and to also like uh be cute or whatever right okay so outside of those two characters we have um the tree saleswoman who is like just incredibly objectified and is literally there like what like, you see <laughs> oh my god this is I, written like, by a fucking 12 year old oh my irony. god yeah and like the camera is just very male gazy on her right and like and they yeah. let like and you see larry objectify her 100 percent and be like oh, oh yeah. well you know right? i plead the fifth <laughs> shut, shut up larry fucking, shut up <laughs> i hate you shut up lawrence uh, <laughs> uh, lawrence um so like they did that that was her and she was just like oh like what do you want like meh, 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 meh. okay bye right and then the server maggie who also was there serving to validate Larry, right? When he was like sad, oh, I'm not going to eat it. Like, you know, I'm not hungry. Are you feeling okay? Like, oh, well, you'll be fine. You'll you'll figure this out, right? Then yeah. we had the women DJs that were clapping and cheering on the Santas during the um, uh, the rodeo where he gets his butt oh, yeah. glued to the thing. Naturally, right? we love but, it. But like, they were very like, ooh, hey, like, yeah, good job. Um, and then we had... The two older women that were twins that I think were supposed to be feminists, right? That like, as soon as Larry came up and was like, hey, and they're like, no, get out of here. You can't have my stuff. You can't have anything. You you get out of here. You're bad, right? Yeah. So like, because they like, they recognized him for what he was trying to do, right? Yeah. Like, they were vilified for just being like, no, don't take, don't take my shit. I'm not even going to let you try to talk me out of this. Just get the fuck away from me because I don't want you around. Right. Yeah. And so they were immediately vilified for that. And then my very, very favorite was that woman from the church, right? The one that you were talking about where she like gives him $20 or whatever, but she tells him, I hope you're not homeless because I broke up with you, basically, right? <laughs> so she's like, so she's doing that. And then he's like, well, that's not how I remember it going. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, but she's blaming herself like us women yeah. do, right? For what transpired after she was no longer in this man's life, right? So she's like, oh, you were so distraught or, you know, like, I caused you to do this. And like, you know, so so often, like, you know, a a big factor why women stay with abusive people or anybody stays in abusive relationships or bad relationships is because they're afraid of what's going to happen to that person after the fact, you know, whether it's inducing self-harm or, you know, like them having no place to go. X, Y, and Z. Like there's, there's, uh, it's always like, I don't know what's going to happen to this person and I can't be responsible for that. So she's already like internalizing this and being like, oh no, like this happened because I broke up with you. Oh shit. And like, she doesn't even ask him what happened. She's just like, 
this is my fault. Fucking yeah. cool. Awesome. We're going to normalize that in this movie too. Yeah. I mean, I there is literally there's no hope. There was I don't I don't think there was ever even a, like an ounce of hope for me. Oh, I do want I don't mean to correct you. She did have ambition. It was to marry rich. I can get behind that. <laughs> Uh, which honestly, you go, go off, go get his money, cause fuck him. Fuck uh, him. But also, Wait, they were like, but also how take can it we and- make this guy any more? How can we make sure that you know he's boring? Oh, we're gonna make him own a box company. How can it's we make mo- you know that he's like a douchebag? Oh, he's gonna talk on a Bluetooth. <laughs> like I was like, yeah. Oh my god, he was. You fucking nailed that. And you know what? I don't give a shit about this movie. <laughs> I don't. It's- <laughs> it's really bad. Oh, and then that dumb, the, my God, that joke that is the inclusivity narrative where like, oh, being inclusive is so exhausting. And then they got the only person in the movie who is inclusive uh, ends up being kind of a villain, but not really. Yeah. And then is arrested for sell like this. I It just... This is the most Trump shit I've ever seen in my life. Oh, okay, wait, I'm sorry. I did leave out one woman. Oh. The fucking badass reporter that exposes the scam that Baxter's boxes went yeah. and bought literally. So they bought every bear in the in, within a 500-mile radius just because they wanted to stop him from giving his daughter what she wanted, right? And yeah. like that's how okay cool like he he's bad guy we got it we got it we got it but he also like deprived literally every fucking child within 500 miles of exactly what they wanted for christmas which like further vilifies him right so then the black woman who's a reporter exposes the scam on live tv like to the spy guy the henchman guy and he's like oh well uh, uh, uh right and how is she repaid for doing all of that by being gaslit because then they come in with the truck full of the bears and they're like, no, we bought them so we could give them all to you, right? And then that discredits her and her excellent reporting skills. And yeah, and so like, she probably will lose her job over that. And it's just like- Take away everything from people of color. Hate this, hate (laughs) this. Yeah, Um, it's just, okay. I don't want to necessarily blame ourselves However, <laughs> I want to play what Danny. Did, we, yeah, what did we expect going into a sequel some seventeen years later, produced by WWE, starring Larry the Cable Guy? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't really know what what else we could have expected except this narrative. And uh, furthering that point, since you were talking about um, the representation of women. I do want to talk about the representation of men. And by men, Fuck I mean yeah. one I mean one man. And I'm gonna get horny on pod real quick, and I'm real sorry about it. His friend, uh, the actor is Santino Morella, is so hot. Like <laughs> it's silly. It's I mean, true, true, honest to goodness, one of the worst actors I've ever seen in my life in film history. And that's next to Larry the Cable Guys, so what's happening? But my God. Oh my God. And speaking of being gay, I have a theory that this movie was a gay movie and they took out all the gay stuff. And here's why. Um, 
So going into it, I do believe that Larry Lawrence, Lawrence's best friend, the terrible actor who's extremely hot, um, I do believe that in a version of this movie, they are a couple. Because there's this whole concept. Like, so what what kind of piqued it for me is that he's always there. He's always supportive. He's all, like, no matter what, it feels more than just a best friend thing. And there's even a moment where it's like, they, they don't live together by any means. But it is the end of the night. They're sitting very close to each other on the same couch at Larry's house when he gets the call to go to the warehouse for the teddy bear. And he's like, we should go. Like, what? Like, they're together. Like, they were in that home hanging out as a couple. Like, they Hell were yeah. coupled. And then at the end, I mean, this is the kind of the inciting thing. And I think all of this is fake. Nothing I'm saying right now is true, but it's fun to, you know, speculate. At the end, the whole thing is like, it's a misunderstanding. She didn't want the whatever, whatever bear. You misread the note. She wanted her family to be together, which I was like, stop bad writing. <laughs> like, just stop it. That's not, is it? Okay. Like narrative plot wise. That was such wise, a fucking stretch. That was it was such, such a stretch. stretch. Oh my oh god! My god. It was like how? How? That's so. That, oh, I was. But so, it works on I two. Was pissed. But it works on two levels because in the movie, the narrative plot device for this misunderstanding is literally bad writing, and writing that narrative device into the plot is bad writing. It's both. We got both. <laughs> oh my god! But. When So when they're at the end, the whole thing is like, I just want my family to be together. And now my family is together. Merry Christmas. Uh, but she says very specifically, now I have two dads, which is, sounds very gay. Mm-hmm. I like, my two dads, like, that's the gay book for kids. Like, gay dads, two dads, two gay dads. And when she says that, she is wearing a necklace. It is a half of a heart. And that heart is a rainbow. Gay, 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 gay. <laughs> it's gay. Yes, it's so gay. Okay, that would have been then, such a better movie if they uh, had like just fucking leaned into that. Like, come well, on. Because to me, like, I mean, it would have like, worked, especially it, it with like some Trumper, like or some like some obviously Trump centric person, like Lawrence the Cable Man, right? Like, yeah, let's do it. Let's fucking well, do and, it. And I would love it too, because even if they didn't change any of the sort of anti-poor rhetoric or anti-black rhetoric or anti-femme rhetoric, it still would have worked because there are definitely white conservative gays who are pieces of shit. And that would have worked real well with that. Like, you're going to sell it right off. Like, go off. But do I think this is a gay story? Absolutely not. But I would love to speculate. And largely, and I hate this largely why i think it is is just because i think this man is hot and it's so bad and toxic (laughs) and i know like there's the only the only justification for any sort of speculation around that having been or arguably is the narrative in any covert way is simply because i think this man is hot what a fucking mess what is my brain jess (laughs) (laughs) what is my brain (laughs) Oh, my uh, brain was so big earlier, and now it's just so small. I just don't know what to do. <laughs> I mean, okay, there's not- I've a, run the gambit. There's nothing. There's nothing to this movie. <laughs> so we're like, we literally have to speculate because it is so boring. Like, uh, like I feel like, so I feel like they were Ooh. trying to make this like a message of like co-parenting and all of that, uh. which is like, 
okay, cool. Like, I'm super down for that. I think we need more people that, like, hey, like, you moved on. Like, they, in, they don't make the mom feel guilty at any point, which is, like, I, I was expecting them to do. So I was like, oh, fucking cool. I'm super, super on board for this. But then, like, they're trying to live together, like, you know, and do this. It's not working. Like, okay, it's come to a head. Okay, cool. Now they're, like, cool. Do integrated Christmases. Do all of this shit. Like, yeah. I'm fucking here for that. But the way that they chose to show this, because it was just bad writing, like, they, they also tried to be, like, just because I work part-time and you work full-time doesn't mean that you're better than me. And, like, the thing that they fucking, like, come together over is the fact that they both work hard for what they have. Have. yeah sure and and so that's also like more of like the poorness st- uh, uh to go along with that whole um narrative that we were talking about earlier so like you know you you have what you deserve right yes because larry uh, he decides that he wants to work part-time so that way he could be there for his kid and he has his trailer and he's fucking fine with that cool i Personally, would love to work part-time and be able to live off of that and have a fucking great time. It would be awesome. But then he's like, of course, like the the other dad has like this big-ass mansion and a bunch of like millions of dollars and stuff like that and the whole thing. And also, he didn't work for that. Like, he was I, given to that, that by his daddy. It, so um, and so that's that was And he stupid. works full-time? Bullshit. Yeah. So I was Truly. like, okay. So like, you're trying to say that... In the same vein of like, you know, trying to vilify poor people and say all of this, you're also trying to say that, you know, you have like where you are in life is what you deserve because yes. that it's a choice, right? Poverty and I was is a like, choice. But That's all they're saying. Literally, the, the thesis statement of this movie has nothing to do with Christmas. It is poverty is a choice. I voted for Trump. That is the thesis statement. That is the crux of this movie. That's all it is. It's so gross. Fuck this. It, like, I mean, we could have said fuck this movie before we even saw it, but like straight the fuck up. Fuck this movie. And I do want to point out one other fun little like uh, pro-white thing that they toss in there because like, why not? Um, The villain is Baxter Box Guy, right? The first time we see the box guy headquarters, the villain's lair, if you will, the group Which of is people. The box factory. The box factory. The group <laughs> of people walking out are some of the only people of color we see. It's this Asian person, a black person, and then I think, uh, I, I didn't, I don't know who the other, but like a diverse group of people walking out of this building. Apart from them, the reporter and the kid who's lying, there are no other people of color in this movie. Hmm. Except for the judge, the hot judge at the rodeo. So the only representation that we're getting and seeing is literally they're walking out of what we as a viewer are perceiving as the villain's lair, the headquarters of evil. And it's it's very obvious. It's very clear. Like, And here's the thing that whenever we talk about movies, there's always a level of like, we always, I feel like we always come to this point where we're like, we want, and this has nothing to do with this movie because like at this point, I'm like, no this is just the general because fuck this movie but um <laughs> there there's there's a level of like we want people to just think about their actions like oh they just didn't even think about this but because a lot of these ideas are so ingrained in privilege of these particular people largely cis white male presenting folks all of that badness is just a part of their ethos it's a part of who they are they don't even have to think about these moments there's not even any sort of wince of like 
existence. And I think in a movie like this, obviously, it's like, I think it's not a, a, I'm not checking my privilege or checking what it means to exist as me. And then that sort of ignorance is being, is, is bleeding into this creation, this thing that I'm making. I do think that this movie is very intentionally like, we hate poor people of color. <laughs> <laughs> like we do we just hate them they're bad and they should go away and you shouldn't believe them and don't give them money because they're bad anyways jesus trump shout out i go fishing or what i don't know like whatever the fuck this movie is right what the fuck i don't that was such a silly ramble i'm sorry you had to uh sit here i'm for sorry that we had that. to watch this movie i'm danny. also sorry we had to watch this movie thanks danny merry <laughs> fucking christmas <laughs> okay i'm calling it i'm calling it right now um, so, uh, let <sighs> everybody know next year I want to do Babes in Toyland. Yes. Calling it. Calling it. Yeah. So <laughs> in 365 days, um, call us out. See if we did call it. Call us out. Be like, hey, you said you were going to do this. Um, thanks. Yeah. Be like, what's actually crazy is now that you are both so well known and celebrated and famous from your super fantastic critical pod. We love your ear. We love your eye. We love your art. We love you. (laughs) Um, You said this last year. And now that you're big and famous, you're turning your back on us. uh, Your fans, your fans. We, we as your fans said, we want this thing. And you said, fuck the fans. That's what they're hearing from us if we don't uh, follow up. So really hold us hold us accountable, please. We will be on social media at some yeah. point soon. <laughs> I, I'll probably be back on Twitter. Probably. Dang. You know what? It's been like five months. I haven't been on Twitter in like five months. Shout out to me. Fuck Damn, yeah. I love good. it. Except I'm still on Instagram because I can't quit it. Oh, God. I love Instagram. I'm so addicted. I know. Same. Oh, God. We love. Shall we uh, wrap this up? Yeah, fuck this movie, man. I'm fuck cool it. with this. It's the most saltine cracker movie. Just the the crispiest, blandest wafer of a fucking plot that I've ever it's, seen. It's plain oatmeal. Yeah, it's plain oatmeal. No sugar. Not even regular. Sh- not like no milk. No no berries. No nuts. No, no nothing. Nope. No banana. It's, and even it, a little bit, a little bit undercooked. So it's like, you know, like, and there was a little bit less water than you needed to like really. So it's like, it's just real bad. It was not mixed well. It's a bag of oatmeal, like a little individual packet that fell out of somebody's purse and sat on the sidewalk for like three weeks. It rained several times throughout that week. So all the sugar got ran away and it's just a single Quaker oat on the ground in the sun, hot baked. Terrible, crispy, and tasteless. <laughs> Fuck this movie. <laughs> we watched Jingle All the Way and Jingle All the Way too. Uh, oh my god, we totally did! And wow, yeah, I, that so, was a lot of energy. Way too much energy after watching or talking about the 2014 sequel. Okay, I don't understand why it was a sequel. Like it's a remake, it, but a it, sequel. No, it is a sequel. It's two. Jingle all no, the way two. No, I know. They 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 titled, they billed it as a sequel, but it's really just a remake. So the 1994 Jingle All the Way, who was it for? It was for men who support socialism. Ooh. Isn't that crazy? Because it was like, I mean, it's still largely discredited and ignored women. So it was for men, as most things are in this patriarchal society. Um, but it was also for men who were like, socialism? Question mark? 
<laughs> um, yeah, it was for them. Who did you think it was for? Men. The end. Yeah. Fucking men. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I have no hot take. I have no like, you know, like, <laughs> oh, I don't even want to like think about like, you know, like it's for, no, it's just like for like, it is that morning cup of coffee. It is yeah. for men. It's Folgers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When you the said hot take, I was going to say up. spicy suggestion. Uh, the best part of waking up is a patriarchal society in your cup. I don't know. Ah, fuck. That was bad. I'm sorry, Danny. Uh, please take that off. Actually, leave it in because I love uh, a behind the scenes moment. Did you like it? Jess. <laughs> the Jess. biggest grin on your face right now. Jess. Just so cute. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was very fun. I think Arnold's terrible. Again, anti-capitalist manifesto. We stand. And they said, fucking fuck all cops. And I'm like, yeah, fuck all cops. This is amazing. <laughs> like, agreed. What a treat. What a delight. Um, did you like it? Okay. So I liked it before I watched it. And then after this this watch, I was like, oh, right. Like I was just mostly just bored with like, I mean, so many of these fucking movies that we watch have to deal with yeah. women and patriarchy and, you know, all of that. But like, I mean, it was still entertaining. So like, yeah, cool. I like it. But like after hearing your take, like I, it does make me want to go back and watch it. And I do still I do still like it. I, I might I might love it. I might love it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's close. It's. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good movie. <laughs> I feel like you could write like a master's uh, thesis paper on the representation of capitalism in this film. It's crazy. Really, once you open that door and watch it with that lens, it's just like, oh, duh. Oh, duh, that's who that is. Oh, duh, that's what they represent. Oh, my God, duh, that's why that scene there. Oh, my God, this made no sense the first time watching it. That makes perfect sense. It's wild. It really, like, it felt like I put on 3D glasses, and I was just like, whoa. <laughs> I see it now. Uh, what about the new <sighs> one? Uh, a jingle all the way to, was it new, interesting, or the same? A progressive, regressive? Has the story evolved with today's ideals? It was new. I'll say that. It was also very interesting. <laughs> I'll say that. And by very interesting, I mean not interesting at all. And by not interesting at all, I mean not a movie, hardly. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it like it's 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 hard to even credit cre like I just it I mean, come on. What even was it? <laughs> it uh it's it's hardly a film. It's hardly a movie. It's hardly a story. You know what? Not even cinema in general. It's hardly a story. It's hardly a story. Um, so for that, I say, okay, so it's not anywhere interesting. I was JKing. And then so regressive, both in narrative structure and storytelling in general, also in its conservative values, because that is literally the uh, description of regression and <laughs> backwards thinking. So shout out. Um, and then to today's ideals i don't even know like to some people that's today's ideals but i think in general it's like to small no. town america not or even necessarily to... small town just to more anti-poor anti-black conservative republican white people and you know what no i'm gonna take white <laughs> people out but 
largely yes, but anti-black, anti-poor, Republican conservatives. The bread and butter of a comedian like Larry Lawrence the Cable Man. Because <laughs> if like, Get Her Done isn't bootstrap rhetoric, I don't know what is. Okay. My God. Like, <laughs> I am enjoying calling him Lawrence the Cable Man far yeah. more than I should. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it actually is very nice. It's, it's fun to say. Um, I don't think this was new or in- it was super, super boring. Like half the time. And I, I remember like being like, okay, cool. This is almost over. Right. How the fuck is there still 45 minutes left in this movie? I, like Jess, I literally thought that five minutes in there is like, <laughs> I think 20 minutes in, I was like, okay, thank God this movie's only an hour and a half. And it was 20 minutes in and there was still 60 minutes or like 70 minutes left. I was like, no, not possible. Yeah. Can't. Yeah, no, I don't. Nothing fucking happened. They didn't know what they wanted to say about anything. They didn't Terrible. like, like they were like, oh, we're going to be progressive because we're going to accept two daddies and divorce and it's yeah. fine. And you're like, what? Yeah. What? Why? What is this? What? Like, Why? Is, this, yeah. is this progressive? Like how long has divorce ruled like America as like at large, right? Like how long has that been uh, a big fucking issue? Like go away <laughs> I was yeah just, truly I was so like mad and then like I feel like a lot of the movie just to like make like parents or like whoever was watching this be like oh it was just like a lot of like the little girl like being a little girl and like not even like an actor but just like being a little girl playing and being kind of like off the wall and so they played up yeah. on that a lot for like uh to to keep you watching and then it's like Okay, like I, I don't know. It was super regressive. It has not evolved with today's ideals at all. It tried to. It wanted to. It wanted to pat itself on the back for that. But like, I mean, when you look at everything, like, dude, yeah, this movie was bad. Was it even a movie? Like, but I feel, again, yeah, they were we keep also saying kind of, it's like, a movie, but that, like, is it? They were trying to. So like, I watched some anime. And, like, there's, like, this genre that's, like, where it's just, like, a slice of life, right? And I feel like they were trying to go for the slice of life anime genre, but, like, also not, but not, like, this movie had commitment issues. Like, it didn't know well, what it wanted. Yeah, I can't there's believe no, this movie was made. It's hard for, like, because I know there are some people who are, like, that's my favorite Christmas movie. And those people, I want you to listen to me if you're listening to this for whatever reason. If you do, they think like And you've no made judgment, it this far. <laughs> and you've made it this far. Truly shout out to you, an absolute legend. However, are you okay? Like I'm sincerely concerned. Like if this is something that you think is good or you will hold dear, like again, different strokes and all that. But if this is something that you actively like and think is good. I probably bet you're a piece of shit. <laughs> Dang. Like not not to be not to be like I I because I mean who even knows and maybe somebody just didn't see the context and so to that I say be more critical. But with everything that we've said, even though we are just two people with opinions, hey, shout out us podcast free speech and all that. Are you going to say that that's who this movie was for? Pieces of shit. 
whoa, that hearing you say that back, that's actually pretty harsh. But I will say yes. I will go ahead and say yes. That's who this movie was for. Jess, who do you think this movie was for? Um, it's it's for people that like bland oatmeal. <laughs> More yes. <laughs> I'm. I you know what? Like I can't think of a better because like. Have you ever had just like regular ass oatmeal that's like well, either that's... way too liquidy or like not liquidy enough? It's like fucking bad, oh, yeah. especially if there's like nothing in it and there's no taste and there's like, I mean, it is like unredeemable, right? This is for people who live for that, who like, that's not just a diet or what it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's like CrossFit or oatmeal is CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, I will. So I will fully say I am one of those people who does buy the big cylinder oatmeal. I do. Shout out to me. I do buy the big cylinder oatmeal. That is just regular ass oats, no flavoring, no sweetener. However, I am a food artiste and I know how to add a little bit of cinnamon, vanilla and brown sugar in there to make it taste. But again, I have taste. Sue me. Uh, so did you like this <laughs> no it's hard and again again it's hardly a thing to even like it's just no it was it's was so so unironically bad did you like it fuck no <laughs> this was a cool. bad movie this movie's pointless oh quite literally pointless uh, i'm done i'm, I'm done too it. this okay. is fun Jingle all the way. We love. Don't watch number two. Anyways, watch right the first into one, us. Though. <laughs> uh, right into us at nostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. And we want to say a very special thank you to Danny Barkley, uh, who edits our podcast. And a very special fuck you to him as well for <laughs> reminding us that this movie exists. We well, love you to be fair, so much. We love you, Danny. And to be fully fair, it's a big... Fuck you for the second one, but a big thank you for opening our eyes to the anti-capitalist manifesto that is Jingle All the Way. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for for really just like, you're really doing your due diligence in the year 2020 in, in, in pursuance of, of socialist, socialized justice. You're really doing the work, Danny. So thank you so much. Thank you. We, we love and appreciate you. And thank we you, do. Eric. Thank you, Jess. And remember, stay cute. And stay critical. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs>